Well, I'm going to continue this morning uh, teaching on the subject of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. Who needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Hello? Everybody needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the teaching of the Bible that's central to the experience of following Jesus as a disciple. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need Him to come and give us life. You know that emptiness that some of you are experiencing in your life? You need the Holy Spirit to come in and take up residence. You know that stuck feeling that you get sometime when you're walking along and it's like, but I'm stuck. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know that change and the sense of intensity with God? You once had it here and now it's kind of here. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so being filled with the Holy Spirit is central, is, is an essential reality in walking with Jesus. Um, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? It means to be indwelt by the person of God. It means to be indwelt by the person of God. Not to have our gas tank filled up with the God gas. That's sometimes the way the Holy Spirit comes off is he's kind of the God gas, the God goo, the electricity of God. And while there are certain dimensions of being filled with the Holy Spirit that have that electric kind of an electrifying kind of impact on us to be filled with the holy spirit means to be indwelt by the person of god the third person of the trinity the holy spirit and so it's god coming and living inside of us and capturing us and getting our attention and uh and indwelling us in an amazing way last week we addressed the third question what is the purpose of being filled by the holy spirit well god wants to make us into a peculiar people the bible says god wants to make us different peculiar he wants to separate us out and he wants to mark us by being filled with the holy spirit because it will have its dimensions that we're going to be talking about today he wants to empower us for living in the in the dynamic of the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God is a reality that God brings into a room when believers release their faith and when believers acknowledge the lordship of Jesus, the kingdom of God comes and it's being filled with the Holy Spirit that enables us to live consistently in that kingdom dynamic and not just when we're gathered together to worship God together, but as we walk out our week and as we go about the things, face the challenges we face, we live in the kingdom dynamic by being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then also last week I I shared with you that the purpose of being filled with the Holy Spirit is because God wants to give us our life back. That the teaching of the Bible is that the devil, the enemy, came into the garden and effectively stole our life. And that by coming to Jesus, we're born again, we have the image of God just sort of, of, uh, you know, actualized inside of us and by being filled with the holy spirit god gives us our life back so that we're alive again and living in the ways that god meant for us to live so today i want to move on to the next question which is how can i know if i've been filled with the holy spirit because some of you are asking you know i don't know some of the things you're saying tom i I, maybe i am maybe i'm not and and i think it's always a good question to ask how can i know if i'm filled with the holy spirit and i think it's a good question to ask because i've noticed that People's experiences vary, don't they? 
And you talk to one person, oh, when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I was knocked out for four hours and don't remember. And you hear that and you know, well, to me it was like a gentle breeze. And with John Wesley, he said his heart was strangely warmed. And so you, you see this really broad diversity of descriptions of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So you may be wondering, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Uh, I'm just guessing. Because it's, uh, it's a bit subjective, isn't it? It can be. It can be a bit subjective and relative to each person. It would be like asking the question, how can I know for sure if I'm in love, right? And it would vary from person to person to person as to how they would answer that question because it can be subjective and relative to them as a person. But fortunately, as subjective as the descriptions tend to be, the New Testament is rich with objective material in telling us how you can know if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Would you like to hear some of it? Say yes. Okay, good. Uh, it's, uh, the, essentially, I, I, I have distilled it down to four essential standards that will be true in your life if you are filled with the Holy Spirit. I think there are four things that you will see. Now, as Peggy's over there flipping through her blank outline going, but there aren't four spaces. Um, <laughs> uh, the reality is there's no way I can do all four today. So uh, my plan is to give you two a week for three weeks so you'll get the four. Did you hear that? I'm going to give you two a week for three weeks so that you'll get all four. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you one and four today, and next week two and four, and then the next week three and four. So you're guessing four is probably a pretty important one, huh? Because we're going to visit it every week. Um, and then also over these weeks, I'd like to share with you what I believe are the seven most common obstacles or blockers to, be, uh, to, to a person being filled with the Holy Spirit. Would you like to hear some of those? What is it that gets in the way of that? And uh, I plan to give you uh, uh, all seven of those over the course of the next three weeks also. So uh, how can I know if I've been filled with the Holy Spirit? If you have a Bible, turn to Galatians. Galatians, we're going to look at verse 5 and start in verse 16. Galatians 5, 16 through 25. If you're new to the Bible, it's getting pretty close to the back. If uh, you don't have a Bible, we're going to put it up on the screen behind me here so you can follow along and you will not be at a disadvantage. So Galatians, this guy named Paul who shows up a lot in the Bible, in the New Testament, this guy named Paul, the superhero of the New Testament, um, was writing a letter to these Christians in the city of Galatia, hence they were called Galatians, and uh, uh, he's really trying to help them protect the freedom and the vitality of their walk with Jesus. That These guys were living it out in the fullness of Jesus, they were seeing miracles in their midst, they were seeing the power of God move. And uh, then there were these sort of killjoys, these religious people who came in and said, oh, no, 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 you're doing it all wrong. And they were trying to take away their joy, take away their liberty. And Paul s- spends a whole, whole bunch of writing time here uh, addressing that. But one of the things he does in this passage is he talks about what it means to live by the Spirit. And so we'll start in verse 16. So I say live by the Spirit. Didn't I, didn't I say he was going to say that? Makes me look smart. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. 
Now, how many of you, like me, still struggle with certain desires of the sinful nature? Is it just me, or are there, are there a few others? Just me and Chip. And, uh, you know, there, it, it's true, the reality of living it out, we still struggle with this, don't we? And, and Paul makes an, an audacious statement here. He says, so I say, live by the, by the Spirit. He says, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. I, I want to know what living by the Spirit means then, don't you? Because I want to I be completely free. And although I can look at my life now and say, wow, I'm certainly not where I was, I'm not done yet. And I still want certain things to be gone. And so I'm really, I really get interested when he says this. But he doesn't say live by the law, live by effort, and you'll not gratify the desires of the sinful nature, but live by the Spirit. So we want to get this. Verse 17, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Anybody relate to that? There's conflict going on inside of us. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. So free yourself from the law. Free yourself from all the religious rules that any church has ever tried to teach you. You're free from that in the name of Jesus and invited to live by the Spirit. And then he, he, he goes on in verse 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery. That's not a common word, but it just it kind of means just doing whatever you want whenever you feel like it, sort of sociopathically, right? And uh, uh, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. That, that's a busy person. I mean, that's, that's a lot of stuff, right? But he's giving examples of what the, what the, uh, you know, the result of living by the flesh is, the sinful nature. He says, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So there's a lot at stake here. He's saying if this is the stuff that characterizes our life, we should not think that we are saved. Do you hear this? Now what's the remedy for living like this? He told us to live by the Spirit. So do you see how essential it is to be filled with the Spirit to be an authentic believer of Jesus? That a person whose life is characterized by some combination of these things should not think that they are saved. But God has a different plan in verse 22. But... The fruit of the Spirit, what's going to flow from our lives as we live in the Spirit, is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness. Tell me when I get to something that isn't good here. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he says, against such things there is no law. And by that he means that as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and these things are coming from our life, we will automatically fulfill the law. So... While we don't concentrate on the law anymore, while we're not obligated to the law, we're not going to be violating the law when we live by the Spirit because what Jesus did for us fulfills all that. And he says in verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And, uh, uh, you know, he's, he's saying to us here, he said... If you are filled with the Spirit, the first thing I want you to get is that you will definitely see an increase in this thing called the fruit of the Spirit. The first thing you should look for, am I, have I been filled with the Holy Spirit? Let me ask you this. Are you definitely seeing an increase 
in this thing called the fruit of the Spirit. Love, and joy, peace. Just do a little self-eval here. Are you seeing an increase in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Is there substantially more of that flowing from your life than before? Well, since that's a fruit of the Spirit, then you must be connecting with the Holy Spirit. Because you, like me, have read that or heard that or got some sense of that in your mind, and you said, I'm going to try to be a better person, haven't you? I'm going to be try, try to be more loving and joyful and peaceful and all these things. And you, you were able to do it for a little while, and then you failed. Because that's like trying to do it as a law. But when the Spirit comes, it says the fruit of the Spirit, the thing that will emerge from us, are these things. This, uh, this dynamic of the fruit of the Spirit. And he compares that, you know, upstairs in this passage a little bit, to these other things. Sexual immorality, and debauchery, and idolatry, and witch- witchcraft, and the like. I do not have this part of memorized. <laughs> and he says this is, this is the contrast. And so I guess you could pick these two lists up and say, which, which better describes you? And not in a judgmental way, but in saying, which better describes you? If it's the fruit of the Spirit, then you have evidence that you are engaging the Holy Spirit. And this has to be consistent over a period of time, not like I have episodes of showing the fruit of the Spirit, because you can do that on your own. But when, when, if, if you say, you know, I think the needle's kind of pointing still this way, and some of you are like really trying not to be sexually immoral or you're trying not to drink to the place of drunkenness, as this kind of thing says, you know, you're trying not to participate in that other list, and yet you seem unsuccessful, the reality is you need the Holy Spirit. It's only the Holy Spirit coming inside of you, indwelling you as the person of God, who is going to be able to change you at a fundamental level and character level so that you naturally begin to live as a person of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc. Does that make sense? Okay, so what you should be seeing is a gradual but noticeable increase in these qualities, the fruit of the Spirit, as a natural expression of your character. The natural part is so critical that you're going like, huh, I guess I I responded to that one differently than I would have a year ago or 10 years ago or whatever before I knew Jesus. And you're almost kind of surprised by it because it's so natural. It's a natural thing that happens. You know, uh, Eugene Peterson blessed us with this paraphrase of the Bible called the message. And there's a part in here that I love so much. And it's, uh, it's in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. You know where Jesus says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I'll give you rest. You know, it, it's, if, that's what he said. If you don't know that, he said that. And what a paraphrase of the Bible is, is it's just one person's rewriting of the Bible in more common language. So that's what uh, Eugene Peterson, who's a very trustworthy person, did for us. And it just gives us a new insight. And here's how he said what Jesus said. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. 
and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Here's the part I love so much. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that. The unforced rhythms of grace. That God has this plan for us where we fall into the spirit in such a way that from us in natural ways flow this rhythm, this rhythm of the fruit of the spirit. And they're unforced. They're natural expressions. You know, we have a 12-step program that meets here, and I'm not allowed to say because they're not self-promoting the, the name of the group, but the initials are AA. And uh, uh, one of our guys is uh, very active as a convener of the meeting and stuff and does a fantastic job. And he and I were talking this week, and we are talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, you know, in AA, you, you have a variety of options, but uh, in terms of the spirituality of it, uh, and I think from my limited observation, it seems to be flavored heavily by the one who's convening the meeting. And so if you have a dynamic believer convening the meeting, then it moves in that direction. And, uh, but one of the realities of, of finding help in a program like this is to have a spiritual awakening. You know, it's not just about managing a chemical addiction of any sort, but it's about having a spiritual awakening. And so... Uh, the guy who leads this program shared this with me. Twelve symptoms of a spiritual awakening and being filled with the Holy Spirit, which is uh, part of the program. You've got 12 things here. Number one, an increased tendency to let things happen rather than make them happen. That's cool. That's, that's the indication. Frequent attacks of smiling. <laughs> Feelings of being connected with others in nature. Frequent overwhelming episodes of appreciation. <laughs> Don't you just get that sometimes? That's the Holy Spirit. A uh, tendency to think and act spontaneously rather than from fears based on past experience. That's the liberty of the Holy Spirit. An unmistakable ability to enjoy each moment. Gosh, this, these, are, these are better than your responses are. Uh, a loss of ability to worry. I forgot to worry about that. Shoot. A loss of interest in conflict. <laughs> I love to see that. You know, you have people who sometimes come and they're all about that. And then just as the Holy Spirit works in them, they're like, ah, whatever. People come to church and they've got this axe to grind and this thing you got to do. And yeah, this is what you're doing wrong. So just let the Holy Spirit work on you here for a while. See what happens. See if you're still there. And they're like, yeah, what was that? A loss of interest in interpreting the actions of others. I like that. A loss of interest in judging others. Ready for this? A loss of interest in judging self. Oh. Gaining the ability to love without expecting anything in return. This is, this is the stuff of the Holy Spirit. I love this, this characterization of it, the way it plays out. This is the stuff of the Holy Spirit. So, evidence of the Holy Spirit is that the fruit of the Spirit is flowing in us. Let me give you three things that this does not mean. Okay? I think there are common misunderstandings uh, the first thing, this does not mean you will be perfect. Right? I mean, you, I think it would be reasonable to say, hey, if I'm a person of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control, I'll be a perfect person, right? Yeah, it's, it's true if you were that 100% of the time. But in reality, even Paul in the New Testament said, you know, 
This is what I'm talking about. This is where we're going. This is the ideal. This is God's plan for us. But Paul said, I even struggle with this myself. He says, I do stuff I know I shouldn't do, and I don't do the things I know I should do. Once he said, who will deliver me from this body of death? How many of you can relate? So this is Paul who said, oh, by the way, if you're living in the Spirit, you'll have love, joy, peace, peace. So you're not going to be perfect. We're not going to be perfect this side of heaven. Now, I don't offer that as an excuse to do whatever you feel like doing, just as to let yourself off the hook for the self-judgment and the self-condemnation that you put on yourself all the time. But it's about understanding that this is a fruit that's going to flow over time and you won't be perfect. Number two, it does not mean you will be soft. Here's where men check out of this. So many men check out of the fruit of the Spirit teaching because, oh, love, joy, peace, give me a flower, you know, I'm standing around, you know. I, I, you know what I'm talking about. It's like I lose my masculinity if I start buying this stuff you're talking about. Love, joy, peace. Let me ask you this. Would you say that Jesus substantially demonstrated the fruit of the Spirit? Yeah? Is this the same Jesus who meticulously fashioned a cord of whips and beat the bejeebers out of the people who were selling things in the temple? Is that the same Jesus turned over the tables? does not mean you'll be soft. In fact, there are times in the life of being a Christian that you'll be very tough. And there are times in the life of even leading this church that I've just had to be very tough. And it's just something you just have to do. And you find the strength for that in the power of the Holy Spirit. So it doesn't mean you're going to be soft. You can be loving and joyful and peaceful and patient, and you can be kind in a warrior kind of a way, correct? You know what I'm talking about? Braveheart. He was kind, wasn't he? In the midst of it, he had a kindness. But I don't think you'd call him soft. Bless you. Um, So it doesn't mean you'll be soft. It doesn't mean you'll be perfect. Third, it does not mean you will not struggle with certain psychological emotional issues. I have heard sermons preached that said if you experience depression, then you're living in sin. I've heard that sermon preached that the reason you're experiencing depression is because you don't have enough faith in God. Have they read any of this Bible? Have you got to the David part in Psalms where this David goes, my life stinks. Why? One of his Psalms says, why have you rejected us, O God? Why have you burst forth upon us? Like, aren't we on the same team here? Did you get to that stuff? We have examples of people in the Bible, and I just use depression as an example. Because this could come off like, you know, if I have anxiety, I guess I don't have the fruit of the Spirit. I guess I don't have the Holy Spirit. Or whatever the psychological, emotional issue you may struggle with. I just use depression as an example. And there are examples throughout history of great people of God who struggled with depression. Do you know Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great British preacher, Of the 19th century, he struggled consistently with depression. He would would go home from his his teaching, from his preaching at that enormous Baptist church in in London. He would go home and he he was exhausted. He couldn't pick his head up. His wife would have to read to him 
to keep him from jumping. This is Spurgeon. Many of you, like me, have some of the writings of Spurgeon in your home in the morning and evening daily devotionals. This is Spurgeon. He would do campaigns of preaching, and then he would retreat to the south of France where he would just stop everything. Now you say, oh, that's quite a, quite a journey. Not really. When you live in England, and the south of France is only 35 miles across the English Channel, right? It's like going from here to Circleville. <laughs> But I, I give you this as an encouragement and not to condemn yourself. If you struggle with these kind of things, you know, there may be days that you don't feel love for others. But let me ask you this. At the end of the day, what have your actions shown? What have your actions shown? And the fruit of the Spirit is say, on the days that you don't feel like it, somehow you did it anyway. remember that fruit takes time to grow. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. The fruit of the Spirit emerges as a function of the time you spend with him, whether it's in a gathering like this or on your own. Okay. Second thing, uh, indication that you're filled with the Holy Spirit is that your relationship with God will take on a substantially more intimate nature. More intimate. Galatians 4, 6 and 7, right in the same book, Because you are sons of God, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. So God has given you his Holy Spirit, and in doing so, God God will seem much more real to you and definite. God will seem closer to you as a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Your understanding of the love of God will dramatically increase as you're filled with the Holy Spirit. I love Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Uh, it talks about the effect of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Where it says, uh, And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. So when God gives us the Holy Spirit, he fills us with his love. And so, you know, uh, the question, have I been filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, let me ask you this. Are you, are, you, are you embraced in an increasing way by the love of God in your life? Do you understand that he loves you? Are you living in the dynamic of his love? Okay, well, we're going to be revisiting that also over the next couple of weeks, but I just offer it to you there just as a seed this morning. So let's do some ministry. And, you know, one of the questions I want to ask in ministry is, some people ask me, what if I was definitely once filled with the Holy Spirit, but now I'm not, I'm empty. I used to be full, uh, but now I don't feel full as I was before. Anybody care to confess to that? Like, uh, what if I was once full and now I'm not? Well, I have two words for you. You're normal. You're normal. That's the normal experience is to have times when we sense the filling and then times when we don't. If you turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4, verse 31, I love this dynamic and I love what it tells us. Acts chapter 4, 
And you know the first few chapters of Acts, really the whole book, but the first few chapters in particular is the dynamic of the Holy Spirit being poured out on the church, correct? And so that all happened in a big way in Acts chapter 2. And then in Acts chapter 4, there was an uh, interesting encounter that occurred, and I'll just shorten it by saying verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They were all, Matthew, filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All of them. All of them? All Is that what it says? All? Everyone there was? Well, aren't these the same people who were filled with the Holy Spirit pretty powerfully in Acts chapter 2? Hello? Well, if they were all filled there and they were all filled here, I'd say something must have happened between 2 and 4 that required a refilling, wouldn't you? Another uh, support I have for this is Ephesians 5.18, which says, Do not be drunk on wine, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, what an interesting comparison. Do not be drunk on wine, Paul says, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going to give you something to substitute your drunkenness. Do not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think from this and other passages of Scripture and looking at history, we can see that there are dimensions of being filled with the Holy Spirit that would, that would coincide somehow with being drunk. And probably nobody in here has ever been drunk, but uh, he says, don't be drunk on wine, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think one connection we can make is that there are certain euphoric part aspects of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And much the way the Bible says that wine makes the heart glad, and, you know, if too much heart wine doesn't make you glad anymore, it makes some of you mean. And, you know, the reality is, is that there is a certain euphoric impact of drinking wine. And there is a, there is a corresponding euphoric reality of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It feels good. It feels good to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the other thing about that is, just as drinking wine has a temporary impact, yes, then being filled with the Holy Spirit has, has a, a kind of rhythmic reality to it so that you need to be filled again. You, know, you, don't get, you don't drink too much once and stay drunk for the rest of your life, thank God. But in reality, it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. You're filled with the Holy Spirit, and you need to be filled again. And we used to say, this is because we leak. You know, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, and we have holes in us, and we leak. And I've I've thought this through a little farther. I want to offer a couple other suggestions to you. I think the reason that we need to be filled and refilled is because the process of sanctification in us, that's a big word I'll get right back to, the process of sanctification in us creates more space for the Holy Spirit to come and abide in us. Sanctification is is a term in the Bible, for you guys who are newer to this, that means being made holy. That God makes us holy over time. He changes us. And the process of God working in us, his word working in us, us going out on on limbs and stuff, creates more space for the Holy Spirit to come. So you're like, I was filled here. Yeah, you were filled. And then you moved along with that filling in obedience to what God was doing. And you say, I don't feel so filled anymore. Well, that's because you got more space. More space has been created in your life to experience more of the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, I mean, uh, you're back here and you get a little drop of the Holy Spirit on the top of your head and you're like, right? And now it's like, could we have a little thunderstorm right here? Because there's more space. There's more room in your heart and your life 
for the move of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I think the other reality of why we need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit is because our threshold of experience changes. So that when you're back here, remember when you were born again and you gave your life to Jesus and the weight came off of your shoulders and you felt like a new person? And that lasted a little while? But that's all that needed to happen. You just needed to say yes to Jesus and bam, it was amazing. And what happens is the threshold of experience in the Holy Spirit changes. So that when you've been doing it this long and you've walked around and you've walked around countries like India and Brazil and stuff like that and and seen amazing, amazing things and seen amazing things here. Seen demons driven out of people as we have seen here. The things that we have seen raises the threshold of experience for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So what was really amazing here it now is, needs to happen at a higher level. So I don't think you should think twice, ever, about saying, you know, I was once filled with the Holy Spirit, but now I need to be refilled again. I think that's God's plan for you. That's exactly God's plan for you, is to just keep moving you along. So, so be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to be refilled. Uh, what are some of the things that tend to block a person from being filled with the Holy Spirit? As I said, I've identified seven in particular, which I'll give you over the next few weeks. The first two today are these. Unbelief and unconfessed sin. I think these are the two biggest blockers. Unbelief. People just choose not to believe that God, that God wants to fill them with the Holy Spirit. You live in a kind of, kind of, uh, kind of spiritual denial. God doesn't want to fill you with the Holy Spirit. You're saying, no, I don't, I don't think that's true of me, and I have this list of reasons. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, whoever comes to God must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You've got to believe that. You've got to believe that. It's not a mind game. It's a kingdom dynamic. You've got to come to God saying, I believe that your plan is to fill me personally with your Holy Spirit. And the unconfessed sin, you know, the Bible says in Psalm 66, 18, the Bible says, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not hear me. If I cherished sin, if I just hold on to some sin pattern in my life that I don't confess, that I don't turn over, then we're actually blocking the flow of the Holy Spirit. I mean, he's called the Holy Spirit. Did you hear the holy part? So the unconfessed sin, the stuff that we're just holding on to, saying, you know, that's just part of my deal, that's part of who I am, is, is going to substantially block the flow of the Holy Spirit. And I think what's happening here in these two things, and in all of them really, is we are using our will to deny access to God and say, no, I don't believe, I choose not to believe, so I'm denying you access. And God has given us a will to do this. And uh, I'm not going to confess that. I'm denying you access to that part of my life. And in doing so, this, the place is not there to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Lord in heaven, we thank you for this amazing time together this morning as your sons and daughters. We thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We thank you for the reality of these things. And we pray that step by step, day by day, you will work this out according to your good plan and purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Sorry, guys. They never know when I'm going to do that. They never know they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do.